I'm excited about Easter. And you know, we're going to be reaching a lot of people who generally are not in church. A lot of people that you see once a year. I'll never forget the guy who patted me on the back one day after Easter Sunday message and said, Pastor, you bless me every year. <laughs> I'm serious. I said, well, it can't be that big a blessing. But yeah, he meant it. A lot of people are going to be reached, so we're going to lead to Easter, and I'm going to talk to you uh, today about the Passover. In the next four weeks, we're going to deal with the Passover, the plot, the prayer, and the palms. That is, the Passover, institution of the Lord's Supper, the plot to betray Jesus, the prayer in Gethsemane, and the palms on Palm Sunday. And then Easter Sunday, I want to talk to you about the high price of empty. How many of you know what I'm talking about when it comes to gasoline? <laughs> All right. So let's read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26. For I received from the Lord <clears throat> that which I also delivered to you, says Paul, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he thanked God, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're preaching my death, that I died for the sins of men. Every time we partake of communion, we're preaching that he died for us. Until I come again, notice Jesus said over and over, I'm coming back. I'm coming back till he comes. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that it will quicken us, resurrect us, strengthen us, help us, give us your peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Let's warm up for Easter and tell him he is risen. So we're going to be talking about the Passover, the plot, the prayer, and the palms leading up to Easter Sunday. Now let me talk about the Passover today. And first realize with me that when Jesus was sitting down with his disciples, it was the Passover. Passover was being observed in Jerusalem as he sat down with them. They were, they were preparing for the Passover. Jesus knew that this Passover that was being celebrated was going to be the last one in the eyes of God. It would be the last Passover because the Passover was passing away. It was making way for something better, something far better, and that was the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Now, the Passover, in case you didn't know, was an annual Jewish feast, and it rooted itself in when God delivered Israel from Egypt by the power of the blood of the Lamb. Now let me just quickly give you a little brief sketch of the, of the original Passover. You remember that Moses was sent to Egypt to deliver the people from terrible bondage. Moses was a type of Christ. Egypt was a type of the world. Pharaoh was a type of Satan. Pharaoh held the people in bondage to slavery. The slavery they were in was a type of sin. They could not get out. 
They could not deliver themselves. They could not extract themselves from Egypt any more than you or I can extract ourselves from this present world and the sin in it unless we are delivered. Now, Moses went in as a type of Christ, and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh, as you know, hardened his heart over and over and over again. Moses brought the plagues, the terrible plagues upon Israel, I mean on Egypt. And one after another, they did not work. They did not suffice. And God did another one, and then another one. Then finally, after nine plagues, God spoke to Moses. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to instruct the people, every one of them, every household of the children of Israel are to get a lamb. Find a lamb without spot and without blemish. And when I give the command, I want every household to slay that lamb. All at once, across Egypt, when God gave the command, thousands of lambs were slain. Then he said, I want you to take the blood from the lamb, and I want you to walk to the doorway of your house, and I want you to put the blood on both sides of the door and above the door, on the lentil or above the door, and so that what you had actually was a foreshadowing of the cross, because the blood was this way and the blood was this way. That's why I have this cross up here. The blood was above and the blood reached out. Like the cross reaches out to men, reaches up to God. And so, as we are told, historically this happened. God gave the command, the lambs were slain. The blood was put on the doors, on both sides and above. And God had said, he had made a powerful statement. This was foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Because I'm going to bring judgment on every household in Egypt. Egypt being a picture of the world. Our world today is racing towards the judgment of God. Get the picture here, because this is for you and me. This is what we're to learn from this story. So, God said, every firstborn in every house is going to be killed is going to come under judgment i'm going to kill the firstborn of every household unless i see the blood when i see the blood i will pass over that house that's where we get the name passover the passover i will pass over that home not when i see whether or not you're pretty or handsome i will pass over that home not whether or not i see how much money you've got or not based on how good you think you've been i will pass over that home not based on your pedigree or your own good works i will pass over that home and my judgment will not touch that home because i see the blood And it's going to be exactly the same when Jesus Christ returns. The Bible says God will know exactly who is his and who is not. And those who will be saved are going to be only those who have the blood of the Lamb of God applied over the doorway of their heart, above and to the sides. That is, when God sees the blood, the judgment will pass over you. You, have not, you are not going to come under the wrath or the judgment of God 
but you are going to be delivered as you have been delivered from this world. You're going to be delivered from the judgment of God. God will pass over because of the blood, because of the blood, because of the blood. You say, well, that's a bloody religion. Well, it's not a bloody religion. It was a blood sacrifice. And God was pointing down the road. Remember this. The Old Testament was the New Testament concealed. The New Testament was the Old Testament revealed. That is, in the Old Testament, you've got types and shadows and signs and arrows pointing down the tunnel of time to the New Testament that was coming so that we would fully understand what God was doing when he did it. And that's what the Passover was all about. God was prepping and priming his people to understand the power of the blood the blood of a slain lamb, the blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. So in Deuteronomy, God came to Moses and God said, after the Passover, of course, it happened, the, the angel of judgment came and there was a great wailing and a great crying over the land of Egypt. As in, as the Bible says there wasn't one household in Egypt that was not affected by the judgment of God. And, and, and that's probably pretty close to the fact of this world as judgment comes. One will be taken, one left. One will be taken from the bed, one left. One taken from the field, one left. It happened. And Pharaoh finally said, Take those people and get out of here. And they were delivered by the blood. They crossed the Red Sea by the power of the blood. They were taken out of the land of slavery by the power of the blood. I think I'm going to preach a little bit today about the blood because I want you to understand that it's not by might of man. It's not by power of some, somebody's strong will, but it is by the Spirit of God through and via the blood. It is the blood that sets us free. It is the blood that washes our sins away. It is the blood that takes us out of this slavery to sin and delivers us into the promised land called heaven. It's the blood. Now, in Deuteronomy, God came to Moses and said, now that you're delivered, and now that I've gotten you out of Egypt, I want to be sure that the people always remember what I did to deliver them from Egypt. So he says in Deuteronomy 16, the first two verses, he says, here's what you do, Moses, in honor of the Lord your God. Celebrate the Passover each year in the early spring, in the month of Abib. For that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be from either the flock or the herd, and it must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, the place he chooses for his name to be honored. What a powerful word. God said, I want you every year, annually, I want you to have this Passover feast, Passover celebration, so that every year your people are reminded of the day that the angel of judgment went over Egypt and none of my people were judged. None of my people came under wrath, but they were delivered by the blood of the shed lamb that was chosen. I want you to remember it. I want you to never forget it. So that's what launched the Passover feast and the Passover celebration. Now notice, I want to pluck three things out of these two verses that are very important. Let's remember them. First, it was to be celebrated in the month 
when God had delivered his people from Egypt. So there was a time. And then second, a lamb was to be slain. And then third, it was to be sacrificed at the place God chose for his name to be honored. So there was a designated time. And there was a designated lamb. And there was a designated place for the Passover to happen. Now, as I've already said, Jesus knew the Passover being observed as they sat at the table was the final Passover as far as God was concerned. Because why had God initiated the Passover? To point to the time that his own lamb would come. It was a sign. It was a sign pointing to the fulfillment of all things in Jesus Christ. He knew, Jesus that is, that the Old Testament Passover celebration had been a sign, an arrow, a type, a foreshadowing, pointing to the ultimate final Passover when the true Lamb of God would be slain for the sins of the world. And he knew that he was the Lamb that was to be slain. This was not news to Jesus. So as Jesus sat at the table with his disciples, one epic in God's dealing with men was ending and a new one was beginning. The Old Testament was giving way to the New Testament. The last Passover was the first Lord's Supper. Passover passing away. Lord's Supper being introduced until he comes. You observe this until I come. Now I want to show you today that the events surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus Christ had the same three components that God had required for the Old Testament Passover. A lamb, a time, and a place. First, there was a chosen lamb. Remember, God had said, I want the people to go out and choose a lamb without spot and without blemish. I want, I want the, the people to choose a lamb. On Sunday, the 10th of Abib... The Jewish people would sell, uh, select the Passover lamb for the yearly celebration in Jerusalem on Sunday, the 10th of Abib. This had been their custom for centuries. And do you know that on this very same day, Sunday, the 10th of Abib, Scripture records that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And what did the people say? How did they respond? What did they do? It says, then those who went out before and those who followed cried out saying, as Jesus came in riding a donkey, riding a donkey, it says they threw down the palm leaves in front of him and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What were they saying? This is God's Messiah. This is God's Lamb. We recognize him. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest and Jesus went into Jerusalem and he walked into the temple. And what do you have happening here? It happened on the 10th of Abib when the normally the lamb was chosen that was going to be sacrificed four days from then for the Passover feast. They didn't know it, but they were selecting the lamb, the last lamb, the final lamb, the ultimate lamb on that day. 
They recognized there was something about this man who walked on water, cast out devils, healed the sick, and raised the dead, who taught like nobody ever taught before, who was powerful, loving, reached out to to, uh, the lost and the needy. He was not religious. He was not elitist. He was a man of the people who loved the people and the common people heard Jesus gladly because he was not snooty. He was not conceited. He was not pretentious. He was not condescending. He loved people as they were. And they loved him. And they noticed in Jesus something completely different. They recognized him that he was not just a great teacher. He was not just an inspirational leader. He was not just a lover of the needy or a hero of the downtrodden. Jesus was God's selected lamb. Walking into Jerusalem on the 10th of Abib. John 129 says, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, It says the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him to be baptized. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a strange way to be greeted. What in the world does that mean? The Jewish people standing by knew exactly what it meant because they had been trained for centuries by the Passover celebration that by the blood of a lamb sin was forgiven that by the blood of a shed lamb a a slain lamb they had been delivered out of egypt by the blood by the blood by the blood by the blood they understood the power of blood to cover sin so when he said the lamb of god that said something major that was a fulfillment of prophecy john did not see a normal man walking towards him he didn't even see a relative and he and jesus were cousins through their mothers mary and elizabeth But that's not what he saw. He didn't say, hey, cousin. He didn't say, hey, Jesus. No, he spoke out of redemptive eyes. He knew the purpose of Jesus. And he said, behold, let me tell you who's coming. Behold, there's the lamb. There's the lamb. That's the lamb who's going to be slain. That's the lamb that's going to give his life. That's the lamb Isaiah talked about. That's the lamb Jeremiah pointed to. That's the lamb Ezekiel mentioned. That's the lamb the prophets talked about. That's the lamb David saw coming. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, he calls... Jesus the Lamb, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus was the chosen lamb. That's why here today, listen, there's confusion out there, and there is false teaching out there, and there are false messages out there everywhere in the media it it seems to be very popular to not be of those who believe that jesus was the only way but can i tell you that confucius was not the lamb of god and muhammad was not the lamb of god and buddha was not the lamb of god there's only one lamb and there was only one lamb who was slain for our sin And if you're looking for forgiveness, 
you find it in the blood. If you're looking for purpose, you find it right there on that cross. If you're looking for your destiny, if you want to know why you're here, you'll find it right there in that cross. There was a chosen lamb, but there was also a chosen time. Now, on the 10th of Abib, he went into Jerusalem riding the donkey. On that very date, that is when they chose the lamb. But then, every year on Thursday, on the 14th day of Abib, the Jewish people sacrificed their chosen lamb. And the Passover meal was eaten at dusk. So the lamb that was chosen on the 10th was sacrificed on the 14th. On Thursday... The 14th day of Abib, Jesus Christ was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. He died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He was buried before sunset. I said, God has a time. God has a time. What God was saying was, let me tell you, you no longer are going to need to sacrifice a lamb. The lambs don't need to be put on the altar ever again. That's why when Jesus died and said it is finished and died and gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple was rent in half. That was God saying, now you, through the blood of the Lamb, can enter the very holy of holies and enjoy the presence of God because he has now died once for all. There never needs to be another one. There never needs to be another sacrifice. There never needs to be another lamb slain. There never needs to be another animal sacrificed so that your sins can be forgiven because now God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will enter the holy of holies and the spirit of God will enter him because of the blood of the lamb. Oh, thank God for that blood. There was a chosen time. Jesus was crucified on the very day they gave the lamb to be sacrificed. Jesus was crucified in God's perfect time. In Galatians 4, 4 to 5 says, But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. Romans 5, 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When? Out of time? Not in time? No, at just the right time. He died for you and I when we were blaspheming his name. You know, there's a song that says, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Can I give you some news today? Look at this cross. I wish I could pick it up and hold it right in front of you where you can see it easier over here. But, but you can see it good enough. Watch this now. Here's the question. Were you there when they crucified Jesus? The answer is yes, because your sins and my sins were on that cross with him. How can I get this over today? Oh, I want to get this over today. Let me tell you, there's an old story about a pioneer family. The pioneer family was going west, young man. They were there to make a new home. And they were traveling by stagecoach with all the family, all the cattle, the dogs, the kids, every, across this prairie. And suddenly ahead of them they, they see a sight that strikes terror 
in the sight of anybody doing what they were doing. They saw a huge plume of smoke going up. They knew because the wind was blowing in their face that a vicious fire was coming their way. They were terrified. They saw that it was moving quickly. They didn't have time to backtrack because they had crossed a river. They could not go back over quickly enough to avoid it. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And somebody said, here's what you do. Look behind you. The wind is blowing in your face. Look behind you. Start what is behind you on fire. Start the field on fire behind you so it'll blow away from you, but start it on fire. Well, why, why, why? Just do it. So they started it on fire. The field behind them was burning. The wind blew it away. It burned everything in sight. And then this person said, now you go stand where the fire has already been and the fire that's coming won't touch you. Let me tell you something. You see this old rugged cross? The fire already burned here. The fire of God's wrath. The fire of God's judgment. We saw it coming. How can I escape? How can I escape? The only place to go is where the fire has already burned. And where did the fire already burn? The fire fell on Jesus. The wrath fell. The judgment fell. He was judged for our sin. Every curse word, every drug abuse, every adultery, every transgression, the fire of God's wrath fell on the cross. And so now we say to the world, the fire is coming. The judgment is coming. Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? I'll tell you where. Run to where it's already burned. Run where it's already burned. Because there at that cross you have peace. There at that cross you have deliverance. There at that cross you have the hand of God taking your hand and saying, now there's peace between you and me because Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Timing is crucial. Jesus died at just the right time. Now let me tell you another timing that really matters. When God knocks on the door of your heart, there is a time. The Bible says to everything there is a season. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. If God could get Jesus to the cross on time, and he could die for our sins on time, so that now the wrath of God's judgment has fallen on that cross, and there is an escape, and there is a place to hide, there is a place to run to, so that the fire of the wrath doesn't touch you. If God could take care of all of that, then the Bible says today is the day of salvation. There's a time. There's a time. I remember so clearly sitting in juvenile home on a narcotics charge when I was 16 years old, sitting there, and I knew nothing about God, nothing about Christ, nothing about church, nothing about anything. I'm totally ignorant of the Bible, Christianity, wasn't raised in it, wasn't raised in the church, never had a gospel presentation ever. And I heard it for the first time in juvenile home at 16 years old. Harry Hines Juvenile Home, sitting there, 
And I heard the gospel, John 3, 16. Baptist preacher, black rim glasses, looked like Clark Kent. I thought he was so square looking, so, oh no. But he let it go. He said, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten. And something grabbed hold of me, and there was a tug of war. And I knew something. I knew in my knower, I knew that this was my moment, that God was giving me a chance to be saved. I knew that it was my hour. I knew that it was my time. And, and it was almost like I had this sense that if you will respond, I'll change your life. If you don't respond, you're headed to the abyss. I got up, not by might, not by power. Something got me up. And I walked back there with this man. I was the only one that responded the whole night. He had a one salvation night. But what a salvation it was. And I'm sure not bragging on Jeff because I was dumb and dumber and stupid and headed straight for hell. It was the grace of God. I prayed for the very first time in my whole life that night. And Jesus came into my life. Now listen, I knew there was a timing. I knew that there was an offer. I knew that I had no guarantee beyond that night. There was a time. When the time arrived, God sent his son. When the time arrived... He was crucified. There is a time for every purpose under heaven, and that includes you responding to God when he knocks. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. There is a time. I believe America has a time right now. I believe there is an hourglass turned right upside down, and there is a time set for this country. There is a time, God said, I will not always strive with men. There's a time to respond to God. Have you responded to his call? You? Have you? Is there something God's dealing with you about? Respond while the responding's good. But you know, there wasn't just a chosen lamb and a chosen time there was a chosen place. God instructed it must be sacrificed, that is, the lamb must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, the place he chooses for his name to be honored. So there was a place. I believe in a place. You know what the place is? In the center of the will of God. There is a place where you will have peace. There is a place that let hell release everything it's got on you, and you will stand because you're in the place. And the place is the center of the will of God. There was a place. The place where Jesus was crucified had actually been selected by God all the way back to Abraham, and of course way before Abraham, but... At Abraham's life, we first discover the place. Because God told Abraham, I want you to take Isaac to a place. And there I want you to sacrifice him. And he walked three days until he came to the place. 
He walked up the mountain and laid out the altar at the place. He laid Isaac down and lifted up the knife at the place. And God stayed his hand at the place. And at that place, he looked over and he saw a ram caught in the bushes. And the Bible says, Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, the place, it will be provided. Abraham said that. The Lord will provide. He recognized this place as the place where God would provide it. What? The sacrifice. This phrase, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided, can be translated on this mount, the Lord shall be seen. You know that for centuries the Jewish people believed that Jehovah would one day be seen in a sacrificial way on that mountain. And one day, the Lamb in the time picked up the cross and walked up the place. You could have hit where he was crucified with a rock from where Abraham had offered Isaac. All that was was God giving us show and tell. When he stopped Abraham, he was saying, now I know you believe in me, but it's not Isaac who's to die. It's my son. And when he walked up the place, as a matter of fact, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. The place, the place called the skull, same area where Abraham had offered Isaac. So there was a time and there was a lamb and there was a place all in the perfect providence of God. And Jesus was crucified and the blood ran and the lamb was slain and Satan shrieked in hell because he killed an innocent man. And our sins were covered. Isn't it beautiful on the road to Easter, though it's somber? Can you say with me, there's a time. There was a lamb. And there was a place. Can we stand together? I tell you, I'm so thankful to Jesus. I'm so thankful to the Lord. Where would you and I be without the grace and the mercy of God? Can we just thank him for that time and that lamb and that place? Father, we just thank you right now. And while we're praying, life leaders, please come down. And I'm going to ask the congregation, please don't leave yet. We're going to make a couple of very important announcements that you need to hear. So... Stay put just a moment longer, and I'm going to ask life leaders come. Let's thank the Lord. Lord, thank you that at just the right time, just the right lamb, 
in just the right place was slain, sacrificed for us. So that today we could be forgiven. Can you just say with me, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord God. And if there's a timing in your life, something God's telling you to do, something God's dealing with you about, could I ask you to respond to God while the timing is still there? Do it, please. Do it before you leave today. And maybe you need to come to Jesus. Ask God to forgive you. Get under the blood. Run to that cross where the fire has already been. And stand there and say, I need to be saved. And if you're going to pray that prayer, I want to meet you as soon as church is over. I want you to come down. I'm going to stand right here, right here. And I want you to come and pray with me. And we're going to run to that cross. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for his goodness, can we? Thank you, Lord.